1: and I always welcome you to connect me on LinkedIn. Today we have Hui Tian on the show together with me. She's the founder of Studio 19 Architects and her company has designed many buildings in the greater Seattle area. She's also grew up in the same city as I was in China. So we get to know each other from that perspective. I would like to get her insights on how she's able to be very successful in working with real estate developers, especially those from China investing in the U.S., and also get a sense of the differences in real estate development in the U.S. and China. Welcome to the show, Hui. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hui, I would like to start with you do a brief introduction of who you are beyond what I just just said.
2: Okay, sure. So my name is Hui Tian, as Michelle said. So I'm a licensed architect both in U.S. and Canada, and I have been practicing architecture for more than 20 years. And most of the years are in Pacific Northwest. I also own an architecture firm based in Seattle, Washington. So I came to U.S. in '97 on a scholarship to study architecture in University of Minnesota Graduate School. And before I came to U.S., I already had both bachelor and master degrees of architecture also from Southeast University. As you know, that's a top architecture school in China. It's based in Nanjing. I moved to Seattle after graduated from University of Minnesota in 1999, started my career with a firm called NBBJ. Uh, that's a very world-renowned architecture firm. They have both offices. they are based in Seattle, their headquarters is in Seattle, but they have offices throughout the world and also they have, as far as I know, they have a pretty big office in Shanghai and Beijing in China. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that in 2005, I moved to Vancouver, BC, Canada, because of some immigration reason. I also I practiced architecture there for almost three years. Uh, I worked in a firm called Henrique's Partners. That's also an award-winning and uh, world-renowned firm. Got to do a witness the city of Vancouver evolved into a real estate booming hub and also was part of the design team for a few landmark buildings when I was working there. Can you tell us a few names of the buildings? Sure. I worked on a building called Woodworks. Uh-huh. That's uh, used to be a. That's located in Gastown. That's the kind of a old part of the town in Vancouver. Also, it's kind of border with the Chinatown. Mm. And Woodworth is was a apartment, a very old a department store in Vancouver back in the days, and it went bankrupted and closed. However, that's kind of a legend, still a legendary store in the history of Vancouver. So the developer took that site and then one kept some of the historical part of it. For example, some of the big W sign from the department store, they cap um, that one and put it on the new building, which is a high rise. So you can see the big W now, even when you drive to Vancouver, it's like a, a neon, big neon light sign that the, the sign itself is like a two story tall. Wow. Yeah. And they are actually developed into a, a mixed use building with the high rise residential, market residential, also some affordable housing. And also there is SFU campus in the base of the... It's quite a bit of um, a mix of programs and it's definitely a landmark Mm -hmm. for the city of Vancouver. So that's one of the examples. Mm -hmm. And then I moved back to Seattle about after three years working in Vancouver and uh, founded my firm, Student 19 Architects, in 2009. The firm has grown from just me to 16 people. And we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary this
1: June. Well, 10 years already. I know, I know. This time flies by. It's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. So I know you have done a lot of design here, mm-hmm. and your work has a combination of different types mm-hmm. of buildings. Can you just help us understand a little bit about what type of works you've been working on, and also what kind of customers you have? Sure. So
2: when I was working for other firms like MBBG and Heracus and other firms, I worked on a very broad range type of projects and skills also. For example, from like HP headquarters in San Francisco to the Evergreen Hospitals uh-huh. and Emergency Center in Kirkland. Yeah, I'm that's sure not too far away from. Exactly. Home. <laughs> you can see it when you drive on four or five. Yeah. And also a few other major hospitals in East Washington, like in Spokane, the Children's and Women's Hospital, and also a major hospital in Oregon State. Also, I worked on quite a few high-rise mixed-use development And when I was working in Vancouver, and also a public library and community center in North Vancouver. I also worked on smaller-scale projects and when I was working for the firms. Uh, such as J.Crew stores in various cities along West Coast. That's when I started my career. The first year, I worked a lot of those crew stores. Also, I worked on a few medical clinics and offices. So those are the smaller the projects on the smaller scales. Mm-hmm. And I feel very, very fortunate to have the opportunity to, to have such a broad experience because this is not very common to some mm-hmm. extent. Typically, architects are kind of... Page hold, or for lack of better words, into you know certain type of projects. Mm. A lot specializing
1: of specializing one, one type, of one thing. type yeah. yeah, and also
2: a lot of firms are like that too. They, I guess, that's kind of helps with the efficiency, but at the same time, they kind of limit you know, or you can see expertise, but also limits on certain type of project. So I feel very fortunate actually. I had this vast, you know, a very broad experience. Uh, on the project types, and uh, this kind of experience prepared me and set up a solid foundation for mm-hmm. me to start my own firm. Mm-hmm. And because of my past experience on various types of projects, so um, I'm not afraid of taking on you know any type of project. So mm-hmm. since we I started the studio nineteen, and because of the market in Seattle, the real estate market, and the most uh, booming portion of the real estate market is in the apartments, Monte family apartment buildings so that's what so far our majority of the works are mixed use multi-family also on the hot hotels we've done Mm -hmm. a lot of hotels we also do like high-end custom homes as well and this all throughout this great seattle area we also have done quite a few like high-rise buildings for example the 25-story high-rise mixed-use building in built on Seattle hmm. that includes landmark, like a landmark means the historically preserved
1: building on third of the site. And that one is a pretty well known yeah, in that the one, Seattle area. Yeah. People know it. Yeah. Yes,
2: yes. And also we have a few buildings, the similar type of scale on our drawing board currently. One is 15-story in ID International District. Also another one is also 22 stories
1: in the U District area. Wow, looks like uh, this uh, history of uh, working in other firms really Mm -hmm. established your foundation. Yeah. So you're able to run your business. Definitely that helps. (laughs) Yeah, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm curious about the kind of a client base you mm-hmm. have because uh, based on what I know mm-hmm. about you, you not just only working with the American developers, mm-hmm. you also spend quite some time working with the Chinese developers who come to mm-hmm. our Seattle area. Mm-hmm. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about the mix of your client? Sure. It's not really
2: intentionally, you know, we were looking after a certain type of uh, clients. It's more of, for one, it's word of, through word of mouth, and also naturally, there are a lot of Chinese investors come to town recent in the recent five years, and they bought a lot of those sites, very prominent locations. Mm-hmm. To some extent, not just us, like a, you know, a lot of architecture firms now they would have one, at least one or two Chinese clients mm-hmm. if they do developments. You know, if they do project in Seattle, it's
1: something almost every firm probably had experience with. Yeah, I think uh, Seattle, this area, is just uh, so special mm-hmm, for yeah. Chinese uh, people because uh, first, uh, I think, uh, in the recent uh, years, the Chinese leaders, mm-hmm. when they visited U.S., they come to Seattle mm. as one of the stops. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's got people really Attention. know about this yeah. place. And the, the location of yeah. Seattle, yeah. right, It's right. the closest city, if I remember it correctly, mm. yes. to China exactly. in existence, right? Yes, yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah. other thing is, uh, it's such a beautiful city. <laughs> it is.
2: I, and I heard a lot of stories from my clients, like the clients from China. And they, a lot of them were saying they traveled all over U.S., and they still love Seattle the most at the end, they decided to to invest in Seattle because of that reason. also, I think because of the recent booming of Amazon and you know Microsoft and a lot of those big you know employers, they are all located in Seattle, and also a lot of those i t Big players also, you know, keep growing their employment in the Seattle area. That definitely is the driving force behind all this real
1: estate booming as well. Mm-hmm. So I think from what you said, it sounds like first uh, this area is really booming mm-hmm. in terms yeah. of real estate. Definitely. And second is a lot of Chinese investors they want to come here. Mm-hmm. Then maybe because you are a Chinese, so yeah. that attracts uh, the Chinese There's, developers to you? Yeah, so <laughs> interestingly, currently we have this client. They found us
2: through, uh-huh. we just Googled, like, I guess Chinese-speaking architects and somehow found us. I don't even think we have that on our website. I don't know how they found us, but it's interesting that's one of the only one. Actually, found us through Google, mm-hmm. and all the rest are all found us through word of mouth. I guess there are a few firms, architecture firms, in the Greater Seattle area. The owner of the firms are Chinese, but we are the only ch- firms that actually. Major all of our projects, or we we'll say ninety-nine percent of our projects, are local projects. In a way that you know, we took pride in our experience
1: with the local developments.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm. Maybe it's also a good uh, foundation for our client, for our audience, mm-hmm. to know a little bit about uh, the overall trend we have observed in the U.S. Mm-hmm. in terms of the real estate uh, mm-hmm. development uh, these years. From your experience uh, working with the clients, mm-hmm. uh, what uh, kind of trends have you observed? Talking about the real estate trends in U.S.,
2: it's heavily or pretty much the only driven factor behind it is the market. So it's totally market driven. That is very different from, as far as I know, the, the market in China, the real estate in China. So in the US, it's purely market driven. In a way, that's a good thing because it's not uh, something subjective. It's, you don't have to worry about what if this city official changes mind this and that so it's purely market driven as long as you do your homework and you study the market you listen to all those professional the experts who you know expertise in market you probably can have a good grasp of you know what the trend is so it's also of all the factors you know which the market driven very important factor is employment Mm. because jobs Basically jobs create job creation is everything. If you can create if there is a job, there is, you know, demand for housing and there is a demand for everything else, right? So job growth is number one key. And also because of the job creation then there is a population growth. Right. As a key. So the job creation and the, the job mm-hmm. growth and population is, growth is the key factors, mm-hmm. I think, behind all of the real estate. It doesn't matter what kind, whether it's, you know, family, whether it's Condo, whether that's office, it's all driven by this. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think uh, that uh, later we will do a comparison Mm -hmm. to China because Mm -hmm. the real estate development is a little bit different uh, with a lot of influence from the government side. Definitely, Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, another thing, very important thing to remember with the real estate development or real estate trends in U.S. real estate market is it usually comes with cycles. You know, it's it's usually in lines with the economy cycles.
1: Right, so I every, remember that right? yeah, every, every
2: seven years? to nine years. Yeah. yeah. So that's why now everybody is kind of a little bit of panic mood because it feels like the you know, it's coming, it's coming. How come it's still not here? It's coming, it's coming. We have been hearing that from the last year. But so far, it's almost like a crying wolf. Heard it's coming, still seems like okay.
1: So yeah, everybody's waiting for the other shoe to drop. (laughs) We still do but it's going to drop. <laughs> yes, if we look at the past ten years, 2008—that's mm-hmm. the crash—and mm-hmm. then very slow recover mm-hmm. for you know yeah. a couple of years. after I think 2012, after mm-hmm. that, then starts to yeah. Uh,
2: 2011, really we start seeing it's coming up. Yeah. So it seems like based on the you know historical data and you know it should come around. It should be around the corner. But I think at the same time, you know, each there is a subclimate, right? So Seattle could be a very different because of its mm. uniqueness, you know, but the job still growing. Right. And because in the last recession, also Seattle actually, the housing price and slowdown actually almost like they, it lagged behind all the rest of the US. It's yeah. the housing price dropped the latest and then came back the earliest. So mm-hmm. we have a much shorter recession compared to the other parts of the U.S.
1: Yeah, well, I cannot hold myself for this curiosity because you started your company in 2009. Mm-hmm. Right. You really picked a time that is yeah. really down in yeah, the water.
2: The <laughs> yeah, the idea is for once, you're already at the bottom. Where else can you go? Only go up, right? <laughs> and two, that's the time actually there is a big talent pool available. Oh. So also that gives me time to prep for the, you know, the good days. So that's gave me the time to set up the, a lot of things, like the website, the marketing, the cat standard. You get things all ready. And I really think I feel also very lucky to pick that time
1: Mm. Because
2: once you start getting busy, you don't have time to do all those preparations.
1: That's good timing. (laughs) Good, good. All right, we'll take a break and be back right away.
0: Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China. With many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution, we can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: All right, we're back. Before the break, we talked about the U.S. real estate market trend. I think it's time to have a quick um, Picture about the China market trend, mm-hmm. the real estate industry. Can you also tell us uh, through your experience, uh, through your eyes, what mm-hmm. you have seen?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm expert in the about the China, you know, Chinese real estate because I haven't done much there. Most of my experience or practice is in U.S. But I do, you know, follow the news. I do talk to my. Um, classmates and who work in China also we have developers coming from China working with us so they share a lot of their visions and views about that and also naturally I do care for the market there so I do pay a lot of attention and so one thing at least I know the government and politics play a much much more important role in the real estate in China compared to US. Mm -hmm. Often the time the zoning can be changed if the government feels there is a need Um, compared to here that's Unthinkable. It takes at least ten years to t- change the zoning, and I had to go through a very lengthy rounds and rounds of public hearing, public discussion. You know all that. But over there, it's really if, for example, the high government official feels there's a need to increase density or increase the height or put some kind of a landmark for the city, they can just change the zoning overnight. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, development there are in much much larger scale compared to here in Seattle area at least I know like if a one or two high-rises, that's a huge that's considered a huge development in China it's like 20 high-rises that's nothing
1: yeah <laughs> just give people give our audience a sense of how large it is mm-hmm. in China the apartment mm-hmm. my parents are living is in a complex mm-hmm. and the complex have I think a 40 to 50 high-rise buildings. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's very typical. Yeah, so it's much much larger in scale often the time even the whole town or you know like the third or fourth tier city in China often the time half of the town will be demolished and put anew. So, in a way it's sad because with this such a fast pace and a lot of you know historical things are uh, vanished. Mm-hmm. And people didn't have time to pause and to think are we doing the right thing you know it's the way to do you know there's no time for thinking or pause so and development is in much faster pace um, here it took you know in Seattle it took two to three years to get a building permit to before you can start construction over there You know, 20 high-rises will be done from design to finish the construction. (laughs) In the two to three years. Yes, yes, or even shorter. You heard the story of they are doing the hospital one day a story. It took 16 days or 18 days, I forgot. They finished the hospital in the rural area of Beijing,
1: my God, it's 24 hours yes. working. And yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a,
2: yeah, that's a pace. And also, because of it's very political-driven and government-driven, so often the time, the budget is not a concern over there, mm. right? It's all about putting up a good image, put some good marks on that government's books. So budget is not a concern, and also environment is not a concern often the time. You can just fill in the ocean, fill in the lake, so we can do have more lands to develop that's unthinkable here. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times the developer or the government are really going after a much flashier building design. So that's why the China has become in the experimental field for the world architects in the past 10 years. And things they cannot do in their home country, they can do it in China. Mm-hmm. Something you know, very experimental. In a way, you know, from architect's point of view, that's kind of very good for us. I mean, it's, it has more opportunity, but at the same time, that also tells you, you know, the review or the screening process probably is quite of a lacking over there.
1: It's very different, right? It's, very different. Over yeah. there look, it's very different. The criteria very different. looking at uh, yeah. selecting the yeah. architect is right. very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I know China real estate is really booming mm-hmm. over the past years. Uh, Maybe a couple of decades, decades, right? Yeah. Two decades, yeah. The cities are changing and uh, expanding mm-hmm. rapidly. So I think uh, now let's uh, take a view, dive down to your specific mm-hmm. uh, expertise area. Through your work with both American developers mm-hmm. as well as Chinese developers, I think that will be a unique view to look at uh, well what are some differences between these two Mm -hmm. developers and uh, when they are uh, developing the area in Seattle right Mm -hmm. can you share with us uh, some knowledge about this through your experience sure
2: yeah so of course you know working with the local developers is very predictable because typically they are experienced and they know what they want, and we also, because of that, we know what they want. And something practical, something works for the site, something has to go, you know, comply to the all the code, the local code. So in a way, it's much easier or much less of an effort for us to work with the local developers, because, mm-hmm. you know, from both ends, we know our expectation easily and we know their expectation they, and we can deliver so
1: it's a much smoother experience and smoother process so and what you are saying is there's a, a set industry right. way exactly. a standard way of doing things so yeah. everybody's just driving your own exactly. Right? Exactly. lane <laughs>
2: exactly and also the moment they start working together you know you are a team And we are all on very equal basis, and they trust us, you know, to provide them professional expertise and professional judgment. And we trust them to, in return, you know, they will pay us the due respect and also pay their fees. And also, we all both understand there is a process we have to follow. So there is a you know, review time from the city, and that's not something either of us have any sayings on. Because of that, things are very... In a way, it's quite already set. There's no surprises. There's no up and downs. It's a very, in a way, calming experience.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what you're doing. They know what they're doing. <laughs> exactly. It's,
2: it's, you know, the expectation is very clear and, and it's, everything is predictable. Basically. Okay. <laughs> but so because we all know both ends know their responsibility and know what they have to deliver and you have to deliver, you need to deliver, and then things move forward, right? But working with the Chinese developer, to be fair, because they don't have experience here. Because like, mm. we have two types of clients from China. One is they already a uh, seasoned developer in China. Mm-hmm. And those usually are actually, surprisingly, are the hardest to work with. Oh, Because they will bring their experience from China doing development there. And th- that's the way to do it. I but it doesn't work here. And so you have to spend a lot more effort to try to educate them to make them understand the process here. It's so different. And even not just the process, even the goal of development will be very different. For example, like in China, as long as you have, I don't know about now, but at least that's true for the past you know, decades, is if you can get access to a piece of land and do development there, guaranteed you will make money.
1: Mm. But yeah, here, the appreciation
2: the appreciation of the, the land you know yeah. just because of population base you know once right. you build something there are, for sure there are people who will be buying it, and also there's a government and the banking system is backing you up so uh-huh. it's really hardly there's any risk
1: and the land belongs to the government yeah, it's to state the country owned. yeah. Right. State state owned. Owned. it's right. not uh, from private party exactly yeah. yeah so getting the land the price of the land is not uh, the market price
2: I heard different stories you know it could be different along those years you know at the beginning it might be just very cheap now it's becoming more expensive too but still the labor is cheaper there at the end the price the estate price a lot especially in the first and second tier city in China actually is higher than here mm-hmm. so at the end really there's no risk for okay. the developers because guaranteed they will make money but in America it's different you have to do your due diligence. You have to do study the site because there could be a lot of issues with the site. You, you might not be able to develop what you thought you can develop. At the end, you could spend twenty million dollar a site thought you can you know come get like five hundred units. At the end, you can only get two hundred units. Mm-hmm. So at the end, you could lose money, and that's not uh, uncommon. So that's that. Also, the culturally. I think the developers in China, for example, they typically have their own team. Unlike here, the developers here, the t- team is very tight. But in nice. China, you they have a big company, and they don't treat consultants, you know, like architects or engineers, as equal to some extent. They like us to, in China, they like the consultants to finish their work on the very demanding pace. They always want it yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) They (laughs) want to get it done yesterday. But they don't ever make payment on time. And often the time the developers because they are so used to this type of thinking this type of doing things, they will carry the same habits here when they do business here. Yeah, I have witnessed a lot of those in the past years working with them and sometimes can be very frustrating. And sometimes also because we have a consultants you know under us, like engineers, you know, trafficking engineers, construction engineers, and they don't get paid either so they will express their frustration to us and ask us to help them to get payment collected from the developer and that process can be very embarrassing because that's chinese, kind of You're feel like chinese. A little bit, yeah exactly <laughs> i was like oh my gosh that's such a bad reflection for chinese right
1: so i want to just clarify this it's not that the chinese developer is not trying to pay it is just uh, the way in China when they do business well there's a habit it's not just uh, in the real estate uh, mm-hmm. industry because I know even in manufacturing mm-hmm. industry uh, there's uh, some sort of uh, habit of uh, the payment uh, delaying mm-hmm. piece maybe it's a sixty day mm-hmm. for you know for delivery, and somehow there are times uh, have some sort of a delay yeah and it's very common mm-hmm. right? I
2: think the it's better now it's better now, but the real estate I think has a reputation for like the developers don't pay or don't ever pay uh, make the payment in full even after the work is done there was because my friends in China the architects they were telling me don't expect to get full payment usually they always the last fifteen or ten percent they never pay it. Ever, yeah. If even have, on the contract. Even although they are on the contract, yeah, they're, although they are in the contract. Another thing is they don't think they have to pay you on time. They don't think that's their obligation. They are used to be backed by the consultants, please pay, please pay, at least a few times before they will consider paying. Also, the process of, you know, even like for the p- payment to be processed could be lengthy, especially for bigger development companies. They mm-hmm. have their... You know, internal process internal <laughs> process can be very lengthy but over here it's not how things are done in the US right mm-hmm. so everybody has their responsibility the developer has a responsibility to pay the consultant some time otherwise you know, nobody can stand in the business mm-hmm. right
1: so, so they need to pay like a, a certain percentage before fee yeah.
2: yeah that's typical but that's Covers so because once you started, like for example, how we bill the clients is monthly mm-hmm. per our completion of the phase. Like each phase, you know, we per how much work we finish that phase percentage we bill it. But between you know the the payment, the invoice we send until they paying us is at least a month, mm-hmm. thirty days, right? At that time we we keep working. So right. the retainer actually is covering the amount of time that you know you're working but not paid. Yeah, that's industry standard. Usually, you know, depends on the size of the the contract. It uh, varies from three percent to could be half, fifty percent. You mm-hmm. know, smaller fee could be you know higher the returner fee. Yeah, that's one thing. Another thing I noticed is a big culture difference is U.S. business is business. Like you know, I have a very good relationship with my local developer clients, but we don't really hang out after work. Mm-hmm. We are not personal friends. We are business friends. You know, we all very friendly to each other. We make jokes and all that. But doesn't mean we will hang out after work. But with Chinese clients almost like they have to trust you as a person. They have to make friends with you, feel comfortable with you as a
1: friend first before they will do business with you. So I think that's a big culture difference. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if they want to, to get to know you more, mm-hmm. do you spend time with them on having dinner together? Yes, maybe sightseeing or do something right, together. Right. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, it's very actually a lot of my weekday nights and weekends are spent on those dinners and business, and like social hangouts and right. stuff like that yeah that's if you ask the people to do business in China that's they will say yeah of course that's pretty common that's almost like the you have to become friends first before you can do business I think the good thing is a lot of those Chinese clients when they come to US you know at the beginning you might have a little bit of time for them to get re- used to it mm-hmm. after a while the longer they stay the longer they do business here the more they realize oh it's different here and they actually a lot of them pick those up very quickly how to do things properly and you know what's the proper way and things they are now used to back in china now they have to get used to it so (laughs) especially the ones like the small investors or smaller developers because they have a very small ship like they can turn around very quickly they usually pick those up very quickly Mm. the bigger development companies that often the time the people working here are just employees, right? Mm. So they have to report back. They cannot back. make the decisions. They cannot decision. make decisions. They have to yeah. report back to their headquarters in China. And those are the ones I see a lot of them actually have failed because mm. of that, because they don't do things the way it's supposed to be done here. And they mm. still follow the same
1: routine or the same habit they've done in China. Mm. Yeah, S- Sounds like uh, working with Chinese developers in the US mm-hmm. on projects, you need to spend a lot of time, a lot to, of time a lot of effort. to know people, to yeah. social with them, establish a trust and a friendship.
2: Yeah, and also educating them in a the way. Them. How yeah, to you do have this. to do a lot of hand holding.
1: Mm. You have to
2: be willing to invest into a lot of efforts and time, a lot of personal time <laughs> to earn their <laughs> personal trust, and also
1: have to be very patient. Hmm. Wow, that's very good insights yeah. for our audience who are if in this industry or to but think the same, about the hospital
2: business. Yeah, But you know, everything comes both sides. So there are also some benefits or advantage come with that. Once they trust you, mm-hmm. and once they see you as a business friend they can trust, they usually are very loyal. Hmm. They come back to you, you know, the next project, the next project. So almost all of our clients are, you know, repeating, Returning. Yeah, yeah. repeating clients. And they, once we work together, they feel they can trust you, they rely on your professional, you know, expertise. Then the next time they come back, the next time they come
1: back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So I think it's time to take another quick mm-hmm. break and we'll be back and talk a little bit more about. Uh, the cultural differences and Mm -hmm. how we can help people think uh, smooth the way working with the Chinese. Mm -hmm.
0: China is now the second largest economy in the world. There are hundreds of opportunities for worldwide business professionals to start looking in China from business leaders to manufacturers to artists and students you need to discover these opportunities to grow your business and your career listen every week for In China with Michelle Zhou Thursdays at 4pm Pacific Time and 7pm Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for business sake you need to tune in You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome
1: back. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. I'm talking with... Hui Tian, who is an architect and founder of Studio 19 Architect. Before the break, you mentioned that the Chinese developers that you're working with, Mm -hmm. some of them are very experienced and they brought their way of doing development, real estate development in China to the US. And then you need to give them a lot of education and hand holding them to really know how to do this type of business in the U.S. I think there's another type of client you've worked that are coming from China. Those are the ones that do not have so much experience in developing real estate in China. So how do you work with them and can you give us a story to help us understand how to work with those type of investors? Yeah.
2: Sure. Yeah. So, to some extent, surprisingly, actually, those type of clients are easier to work with because they don't carry certain, you know, habits, and they don't have a like a, a preset mindset, you know, what development should be and how to do things. So they typically tend to be more open-minded, and they tend to be more respectful to professionals. So I give you an example. One of my clients, they... He is a very successful entrepreneur and he owns a lot of factory in China so he's very successful and has a lot of fundings available for development. And his family immigrated to US and to Seattle area. He just you know, one thing is like it's pretty difficult for him to do the same business here and the only thing he can think of is doing real estate.
1: Real mm-hmm. estate, maybe
2: real estate development. So, through friends, he came to me one day because some agent has suggested him uh, purchasing a, a lot in rural area of southeast part of Seattle, like I forgot it's Mount Vernon or Monroe, I forgot which area. Um, it's a pretty big price tag. There are a lot of issues with the land. So, he came to me and asked him about my opinion. So, I gave him my honest opinion. I don't think that was a wise buy giving a lot of reasons and uh, he actually listened Mm. and at the end he found a piece of land in a very good area in North Seattle and for a very fraction of the land he was thinking of buying in the rural area and uh, we were able to able to design and get permit for 130 units uh, apartment and plus 5 houses Mm. and throughout the process he's very respectful he of course, that comes with price. So I will have calls, or WeChat, and you know messages, you know, on a daily basis. Often the time, sometimes because of time zone, because my client travels a lot. So he always expects to get the an answer or response within 24 hours. Uh, yeah, that's, that's typical China speed.
1: Yes, <laughs> right.
2: So it's a lot of uh, back and forth, you know, communication. I would say probably way 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 more than the local developers here I would have because usually we just do emails and sometimes phone calls alternatively. But with Chinese clients that's another thing. WeChat is very popular. They are used to use that as communication too. And also throughout the process basically he will, you know, often the time ask questions, which, you know, it's common. But the result was very happy. It's a happy ending because at the end the project is very successful it just came to the market this summer and has been the lease has been really good and he's very very encouraged Mm -hmm. and now he the bank is chasing after him (laughs) and wants to give him money and you know it's a really good problem to have now he keeps telling me Hui the banks want to give me money and they want me to do I have to do the next development help me to find the next development site (laughs) it's a you know it's really a good good um, very happy um Story because he's he's now after this this development he has gained a lot of confidence and he understands the process much better now and he's ready for the next
1: developments yeah totally a new career for him it, totally totally
2: yeah <laughs> starting from
1: ground zero yeah and I'll also the US the, successful developer <laughs>
2: exactly exactly and also he has a lot of friends which you know from China they. Have a lot of also cash or fundings. the so they will also go to him. Hey, you know, you you have been so successful. let's you know, I wanted to invest in your development.
1: So he has people come to him and wanted to invest in his development. Well, wow. so as an architect from this story, you are not just doing architect work. You have <laughs> go beyond that, right? Definitely, I think that's that's
2: so far what I learned or my experience from. Working with the Chinese developers or developers from China is—you have to be willing to invest a lot of your personal time and be willing to put a lot of extra efforts. You also have to be very, very patient with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, often, the time—if you just do a typical architect would do—it's not going to be enough.
1: Mm. And uh, I think. Uh you are not charging him by the hour you spend no. on helping all those things. <laughs> no.
2: Yeah, I would say that typically that's another funny thing is typically the developers or the clients from China they would always want a bargain, they want a good you know a low price but mm-hmm. actually the effort we spend on their project and spend to work with them are typically double or even
1: triple the mm-hmm. effort
2: we, d- we would do with the local developers. Mm.
1: Yeah, so just in summary about uh, your experience working with uh, developers from China, Mm -hmm. what are some tips you give to them so that uh, they would be successful in terms of uh, developing real estate and investing in uh, in real estate in the US?
2: I think the number one advice I would give is when you are looking to purchase a site, please, please do a feasibility study, do your due diligence. And don't be afraid to spend a few thousand dollars and hire professionals to do that for you. Because often the time, they don't want to spend that small amount of money thinking, okay, what if there is nothing wrong with the site? I'm spending the money for nothing. Don't think that, because you will not regret spending that few extra thousand dollars because at the end, you might realize... That actual, you know, that a few thousand dollars save you tons of millions of dollars.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so assessment
2: that, is really important. Yeah, feasibility and due diligence is very very important. Mm-hmm. And number two, treat your consultants as equals and mm-hmm. pay their due respects and respect their time, respect their professional judgment. Because in return, you will get their hearted service and you will get their professional judgment without any. Discounted. How do I put it? Because if you don't treat them equal and you don't give them respect often, the time they
1: you might not get the the true or the very opinions from them. mm mm-hmm. Okay. I think this uh, tips, this advice applies to developers from uh, any country. Any country from anywhere. Another thing it. is,
2: yeah, be at the beginning or in general, like you have to be conservative because mm-hmm. that's usually the experience of would do you 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 always be conservative at the beginning be conservative about you know what the development side can yield be conservative about the income it it will come and be conservative about the construction costs. and after all this conservativeness you still think the development makes sense then go for it Mm. and because often the time I see a lot of the uh, developers from China they would be thinking oh maybe I can change the zoning oh maybe I can find a contractor to build it much cheaper and then if all of that works then i can make this development work don't think that way be conservative at the very beginning yeah so that's i think that's a very fundamental thing when you do your calculations for a development to you know to evaluate whether this
1: development is 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 working or not be conservative mm-hmm. wow that's uh, those are very good tips for anybody who wants to um you know, investing in real mm-hmm. estate in the U.S. Um, I also want to get your tips uh, uh, on the other side mm-hmm. giving to the architects who are in the U.S. that are working with or want to work with Chinese investors because mm-hmm. that's where a lot of money is coming, right? right. And what are some tips uh, to professionals like you uh, who wants to take this opportunity?
2: Um, I think one thing um, you... One thing is to understand the culture. time I think um, because of the culture difference, there could be some miscommunication or misunderstanding that could harm the relationship between the professionals and the client. So, you know, have a good understanding of the culture would prevent a lot of those from happening. Number two is just be, um, you have to, earn their trust because mm. culturally they have to see you as a friend or someone they can trust before they can trust you you could be the greatest architect in the world but if they don't trust you they are not going to listen to you so to, to earn their trust is very important mm. um, and number three you just have to be willing to invest and in, in your time and effort uh, be prepared you might have to you know invest your personal time um that's just the nature of the culture and people want to be from, become friends right um, and number four would be um, a lot of times you just if you don't want it to uh, have a lot of miscommunication or misunderstanding just be very upfront and be very open and uh, I think they will respect that at the end
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. in general it is really trying to understand the other side mm-hmm. of people's uh, or you know, the different cultures mm-hmm. and how people think. Yeah. So if you can adjust yourself or to meet the style mm-hmm. of your clients, then you will win their heart and their trust and yeah, the I business. Think,
2: I believe mm-hmm. so. But at the end, also you know, just like uh, there are also chemistry. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't feel like this, there is a chemistry, and you don't feel like you are a good fit for for each other. Um, I'm talking about client and professional relationship. <laughs> And, and then, yeah, don't do don't it. Don't do it. Right? Yeah, yeah, I, because I, I did walk away from a few clients because I just don't think it's going to be a good fit. There's nothing wrong in either party, but just not a good fit. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, maybe it's it's better to walk away uh, in the at the beginning, other than there are some issues in the middle and then you know create some drama
1: i heard a lot of stories about those kind of dramas Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so be open be direct Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, spend some time to get to know each other Mm -hmm. and then uh, really just use your expertise to help the client reach their goals
2: i think Mm -hmm. if a good client or um, most of the clients they would definitely respect it doesn't matter you know we're Their origins are whether they are from China or from here. If you are sincere and if you are professional, you know what you're doing and you are very um, direct and open about your opinions and um, they
1: will respect that.
2: Mm -hmm. And respect is the foundation for every relationship. That's what it might be. Yeah.
1: Good tips, good advice. If our audience are interested in knowing more about uh, the work your company, Mm -hmm. Studio 19 Architects uh, have done, what are some good ways for them to find more information?
2: Sure, so they can check our works at our, our website, um, Studio19Architects, with S at the end.com. Our office is, is located in Pioneer Square, Seattle, and on 1st Avenue. You can find our address there as well. And uh, you can also reach us. Our phone number is 206 466 1225. Yeah, looking forward to the call or <laughs> please check out our
1: works. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Thank <laughs> you. So today we have talked about the differences between real estate development in the U.S. and China. And we also shared some tips about working with people across culture. I hope this is helpful to our audience. You are listening to In China With Michelle Zhou, I look forward to you to talk to you next time.
0: Thank you for tuning into In China with Michelle Zhou. Please join us for another edition next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week.